So we are continuing our studies through the Gospel of Mark. We're at Mark chapter 5. <clears throat> uh, just a bit of um, news as well, really, for us. So um, we, we have at the moment um, visiting amongst us um, a chap called Ari uh, over from Mongolia. Uh, through various means, really. Um, he's kind of known, known to us, known to, to Paul in particular, and um, uh, getting to know the commission group, really, and looking for support for um, his um, work over there in Mongolia. So the guy, the guy really is from outer Mongolia. You know, if you want to go to the ends of the earth, he really is from outer Mongolia. Um, born in the Gobi Desert, he tells me, brought up there. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a great work of God really taking place over there. He was saying that in um, 1989, when the Soviet bloc collapsed, and Mongolia used to be under the influence of the Soviet bloc, uh, when that collapsed, um, he, he knew of four Christians in Mongolia, four. Um, and um, since then, um, there's... Um, Hundreds of churches have been planted. Lots of uh, missionaries have come in from all around the world. Um, he was brought to the Lord by uh, some missionaries that came up from South Korea. Um, and there's, uh, there's now 800 churches um, that he knows of there. And um, he's, uh, he's covering about 20 of them. And he also has this ministry um, out into the desert. So he travels every uh, couple of, uh, about every quarter or so, he travels five days into the, uh, into the Gobi Desert where there's a gathering of the uh, nomadic clans um, and uh, he's got a, what he calls a mobile Bible college um, which goes out to them. So uh, yeah, quite something really, a very different, uh, different uh, way of thinking and uh, way of operating but it's the same Lord Jesus and it's, it's just great, you know, you just sense the same spirit in him and you know, the same Lord building church out there um, and bringing glory to his name, and uh, yeah, all very exciting. Anyway, okay, so chapter 5, first 20 verses, let me read them to you straight from, uh, this is a New American Standard, I'm aware you'd have slightly different phrases, slightly different words, um, but here we go. It starts with they, they came to the other side, so that is Jesus and his disciples, or those that he'd gathered at that time. They came to the other side of the sea, that's the Sea of Galilee, into the country of the Gerasenes. When he, that's Jesus, when Jesus got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him and shouting with a loud voice, he said, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. For Jesus had been saying to him, 
Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, what is your name? And he said to Jesus, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored Jesus, saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission, and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Their herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind, the very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the pigs. And they began to implore Jesus to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring Jesus that he might accompany him. And he did not let him, but he said to him, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began proclaiming in the Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed." Well, I think this passage has got to be scoring above nine on your weird Bibleometer, really. It's all very, very strange. Uh, in all the synoptic gospels, so uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this passage follows immediately on from the passage where Jesus is caught and his disciples are caught in this unusually ferocious storm, and Jesus, um, you know, stills that storm. So. You know, Jesus, it's his intent to get across to this side of the Sea of Galilee. He hits this big storm. That was last week's preach. Um, and now he's arrived. And we are definitely on the far side, aren't we? We are definitely on the other side now. Um, I'm just going to kind of, uh, or just to say as well, um, I've got here Garazine, you may have um, Gadarene, there are a couple of other variations on that depending on uh, which version of the Bible you're reading and that depends on which source document they were drawing from um, when they're looking at uh, Mark's Gospel. But it's all the same place, it's, it's all still, we're still the other side of Galilee. Um, several things different um, and I'm just going to call them out. First thing to notice is the disciples do not feature in this passage at all. They neither say nor do anything. The disciples really are still where, where we left them um, in uh, chapter 4, verse 40. Uh, chapter 4, verse, uh, where are we? Um, where they say, um, yeah, verse 41, where they said, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. That's really where they're still at. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So, they've learned something, haven't they? <laughs> Keep the mouth shut and watch. Um, here we've got a situation where the man 
um, sees Jesus from afar and runs to him. Um, hitherto, we've been in situations where Jesus is just going about his business and comes across uh, the demon-possessed, and they then um, reveal themselves and, and usually you know, shout out. But here you've got a situation where uh, the man runs to Jesus, sees him from afar off and runs to him. And perhaps we've got a situation here where maybe Jesus is anticipating this encounter and is already beginning to, um, you know, to bid the demon to leave. So, you know, we've got this kind of, we, 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 see, we see the man coming to Jesus and throwing himself down, prostrate before him. Um, but we, we, we find in the narrative that Jesus is already saying, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So maybe there's a little bit of anticipation going on. Um, and then we, then we have this, uh, you know, this encounter. In Luke's gospel, the man is naked. Um, here he's living among tombs. In Luke's gospel, he's driven to the wild places. In both of the accounts, the man is screaming, self-harming. And there is this supernatural strength. There is this strength that is you know, beyond the natural. He's able to break these iron chains and nobody is able to, bound him, uh, to bind him. In Mark's account, um, he doesn't let anybody pass by either. So the territory, basically, that he controls, you know, is, is forbidden ground. Nobody dare go there anymore. We do have a situation where the demons, or demons clearly recognize Jesus and seem unable to uh, keep themselves from crying out. So he, you know, here the, the, the demons say, you know, uh, what business do we have with each other? Jesus, son of the most high God. He knows exactly, they know exactly who Jesus is. And um, if we compare uh, an encounter that we have in Mark chapter 1, which we've already dealt with, same phrasing really. Um, there was a man in a synagogue with an unclean spirit and cried out saying, what business do we have with each other? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Um, and here he says, you know, don't um, torment me. I implore you by God, do not torment me. So let's just, you know, the demons recognize who Jesus is and they fear him and they fear their destruction. They feel their torment, their torture. The word is torture. So they feel torture and destruction. In Matthew's account, the demon says, have you come to torture us before our time? So there's a sense that, you know, there is a day of reckoning coming for them all, that Jesus is going to bring that day of reckoning, and then they encounter him now, and they're like, oh, you know, has that day of reckoning come before its time? Are you here to torture and destroy? So they're clear about what their ultimate um, destiny is. Then we've got this really curious situation, haven't we, where there is a dialogue that takes place between Jesus and this demon or demons. Very unusual. Um, elsewhere in the Gospels, the demons are silent. Jesus is very quick to silence them. He says, be quiet and come out. Uh, Jesus does not permit them to speak. But here, he does grant permission. Here, there is a dialogue that goes on. Now, there aren't many places in Scripture where we have the demonic speaking. Um, really, very, very few indeed. Um, 
we do get um, a dialogue between God and Satan at the beginning of Job's uh, book. Um, and we do have, of course, an encounter between Jesus and Satan, that account um, for the temptation of Jesus in the desert. So the Gospels record that. Um, there's only one other occasion I can think of where we've got the voice of a demon actually recorded. That's in Acts 19.14. That's where um, the seven sons of Sceva are attempting to cast out a demon, and they, they attempt to cast out the demons by, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches. And the demon says, well, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And then jumps on these seven guys and beats them up. And so again, we've got this supernatural uh, demonic strength. Um, so this is, you know, very, very unique here, very unusual. Um, and also what's really unusual is Jesus asks the name. What is your name? We don't have the name of any other demonic spirit. You know, there's just Satan, Lucifer, and, and this legion. And we've got a very cryptic answer, haven't we? He doesn't say, my name's Colin. He says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, we've only got one other record in Scripture of multiple uh, demonic possession, and that is actually recorded in Mark's Gospel, at the end of Mark's Gospel, where he refers to Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons were cast out. And I just, you know, I just... I just feel so much for Mary, really. Um, you know, you can imagine her getting an early copy of Mark's Gospel, reading it all the way through, and then getting to the end and thinking, oh, cringe factor. Oh, is that the only thing? This guy, is that the only thing you can remember about me, that I had seven demons cast out of me? Is that it? Do you have to actually say that, Mark? So there we go. We've got no account of that taking place, of course. But yeah, sorry, Mary, you're famous now for having seven demons cast out of you. So, um, legion is a Latin word. So that probably doesn't strike us um, so much here. But, um, you know, this is written in Greek. And then we've got this Latin word in the middle of it, legion. So legion is a, a Latin, is a Roman military term, and it's a Roman military term for a whole battalion. It's equivalent, really, of, a, of the English word battalion. So we're talking about five, maybe 6,000 soldiers, uh, infantry, cavalry, engineers, people able to build roads and bridges and set up you know, the standard Roman fort. Um, put all the aqueducts and engineering works in. That, that's, what a, that's what a Roman legion is. It is an occupying force. Um, and there were a lot of them. Um, we only get this word here uh, in Mark's Gospel. It's recorded twice in this account. Once in Luke's Gospel. Again, we have legion. And then, curiously, in Matthew, um, there's a record of Jesus himself, just at the point that he is arrested... Um, he rebukes Peter for pulling out his sword and lopping off the, the servant's ear. Um, and he says, don't you know that I could call on my father and he would put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Uh, interesting, I think, that, again, that's a military term used to refer to angelic forces. Here we've got a military term here, you know, referencing demonic forces. 
Um, but, you know, we are, I think in general terms, um, we're, we're talking in the thousands. That's really what we're talking about here. Rather than stick a specific number on, we're talking about in the thousands. Um, another thing that is not so apparent in the English, but is more clear in the Greek, um, so the man... Um, when he talks to the man, when Jesus talks to the man, the man, obviously, um, the words used have, a, have the male gender, whereas um, the demonic has a neutral gender, a neuter gender. So it's clear that Jesus talks to the man, um, but the demon replies, or the demons reply. Um, so again, that's, you know, something we can perhaps infer, but in the, in the actual Greek, it's very clear who, who's talking. Um, I mean, I'm just calling out the weird bits here, you know. <laughs> There's a quite a long list of them. I mean, another weird thing here is that, you know, the, the, the demons here plead not to be sent out of the region. Uh, in Matthew's account, they plead not to be sent to the abyss. Um, but there, you know, there's obviously some anxiety about they want to stay in the area. Um, we have this large herd of swine. Mark um, mentions the number, about 2,000. That's, that's an awful lot of pigs. Um, I don't know that, you know, you'd see 2,000 pigs, you know, in a herd, you know, just sort of out there today on a field. Um, that's an, that is a, a large number. That's a big herd of pigs. Um, and, of course, you know, this is supposed to be, you know, that's offensive to the Jews, and it pollutes the land. So where these pigs are being raised, which is probably this whole region, where these pigs are being raised, you know, the Jews aren't going to want to go there. It's polluted land. The whole territory um, is seen to be polluted. Um, so have we got a situation here where unclean spirits are, being, uh, are moving from the man to unclean animals? Is there something like that going on? Um, the pigs clearly don't like it. <laughs> it's not successful. Whatever it was the demons were after, it doesn't work. The pigs rush headlong. I mean, the words used there is in terms of a, you know, that is in terms of a, 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 an unreasoned, uh, compulsive uh, rush. So, you know, we've got to think in terms of a, a stampede here. Um, this word is used of people when uh, Stephen is giving his testimony to the Sanhedrin uh, in Acts 7 and he says behold I see the heavens open and the son of man standing in glory and they, they can't take the, what they're hearing you know they hear that as blasphemy and they can't take it anymore and it says the whole multitude rushed upon him and they drive him out and stone him so that's the same it's the same word being used here um, and, of course, he'll go over the cliff and into the sea and drown. No idea what happens to the demons after that, okay? Don't ask me. We're not, it's not in here. We don't know these things. Um, and, and, in fact, let me just say, really, you know, we're kind of, I'm trying to keep this fairly light-hearted and amusing. Um, but, um, you know, I've said this before. There's a lot that we just don't know about, you know, demons and demonology and how's it, how it all works. Let's just, I'm really strong on, let's just stick with what we've got in Scripture and not go beyond Scripture. So we don't know a lot of this stuff. Some people will start from this passage and develop a whole theory about, 
you know, how demons control different regions and how you've got to cast out the, the demons of, you know, the region of Wimborne or whatever, you know. We don't have that stuff in Scripture. There's something about the region here, but, you know, please, let's not go beyond that. And this whole business about, you know, naming demons and asking them what their name is and all that kind of thing. This is the only occasion we've got. Like I've said to you, this is, this is a really weird passage. You know, we're, we're really on the far side here. We're on the edges here. So, um, again, you know, if you come across this kind of thinking... Um, just don't go down there. What we've got here again and again and again in Jesus' practices, number one, he doesn't go looking for the demons. When they display themselves, he deals with them and he simply says, be quiet and come out. And that's all there is to it. And in terms of you know, us following that example, it's the same thing, isn't it? In the name of Jesus, be silent and come out. And that's it. There's nothing else involved in it. Um, and we don't, you know, we don't need to go any further than that. So here we are then, unsuccessful. The demons um, go into the pigs. Some say, and I've perhaps got a little bit of sympathy with this, where we do see demons being cast out, the people involved, there is a, there's, a, there's, a, you know, there's often a, a scream and a convulsion. There's a, there's a tearing that takes place for that demon to be evicted. Um, one might perhaps speculate... Uh, would this man endure, you know, a multiple exorcism? You know, would he physically be able to endure it? We, what we've got here is a situation where um, there's a negotiation that takes place and the demons want to leave him and go to the swine. So perhaps in those circumstances, that is a mercy to the man himself. Um, and how he could endure that. Um, bit rough on the pigs, <laughs> but we're not so worried about the pigs, are we? So, um, so there we go. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, Okay, so that's that. Just calling out the weird and wonderful. Now, let's have a look at the reaction here. So the first people to react are the herdsmen, uh, they run off and report what has happened widely in the city and in the country. And so I think it's fair to assume that a period of several hours elapses um, before they then return, before people then start to gather. And during that time, it's Jesus and the man who's been delivered from the demons. There's a one-to-one there's -one going on there. So you've got to imagine, you know, if you could sit for several hours with the Lord Jesus, <laughs> you know, you'd probably be quite changed, wouldn't you? You would be quite a different person. Um, and clearly that's what, that's what we see. So you just, you know, just kind of build that into your thinking and realise, okay, several hours go by, the people begin to, to gather. Um, they, you know, they hear a fresh uh, account of what's happened. They see the man sat there in... He is dressed and in his right mind, sat at the feet of Jesus. They realise they're dealing with something powerful here. Um, and their reaction, I think, is just, you know, lamentable. They are afraid and then they bid Jesus to leave. They want him to leave and Jesus complies. So, you know, the demons of, of you know, made their request known to Jesus, he's granted that. Now these people say, can you leave? And there's an impact here on the economy. I think it's worth recognising that. 
the loss of these 2,000 pigs is going to have a big impact, not only on the herdsmen, whose job it is to look after them, but you can see, you know, without too much imagination, there is a big industry, associated, you know, big sausage industry, shall we say, you know, associated with the, with the pigs and, and all that's going on there. Um, and all of that's just been wiped out in a strike. Now, you know, shouldn't really have been going on anyway, quite frankly. Shouldn't have been happening anyway. Maybe they're feeling a little bit convicted about their pig keeping uh, going on. Um, but that, I think, for me, is the biggest tragedy of this passage. They implore Jesus to leave and he doesn't, he goes, he goes. I think if he's not wanted, Jesus doesn't tarry where he's not welcome. Yet, curiously, the man himself says, can I go with you? And Jesus refuses. Now, that in itself is unusual because, you know, we'll see this again in the passage in future. You know, when terrific things happen, Jesus is actually saying to these guys, don't say anything, just you know, keep that between you and me. I mean, curiously, you know, he... he, he well, actually, I won't spoil it, because you're on next night with Jairus. Jairus, you know, faces the same reaction. Um, but we've seen that with other people that have been healed, the, the, the leper that was healed. Jesus said, don't make a big fuss about it all, just do what you've got to do down, at the, down with the, the local Levite and be, be clean. And he doesn't. He runs off and he tells everybody what's happened, and there's a great crowd that's formed, and then, you know, Jesus is impeded in terms of his teaching work. Um, but here, it's the opposite. Here, this man wants to go with Jesus, and Jesus says, no, stay where you are. Uh, go back to your people. Verse 19, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy. And it says, he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis. So the Decapolis, literally 10, 10 towns, that's right around Galilee. So that is a big region. We're not just talking about this region where this takes place um, in Gerizim, but, but right the way around. So this guy, you know, basically starts his one-man uh, tour of Galilee um, with his one-man show and tells his testimony again and again and again about what's happened. And that's obviously going to take place, you know, it's going to happen over several, several months, isn't it? So... Um, Jesus doesn't perceive here any danger of being swamped by the crowds because they basically would like him to leave, please. Um, so, you know, he encourages and instructs him to witness. And he does it to great effect. Uh, everyone was amazed. That's where we finish with. Well, that's everybody in the Decapolis. That's a big, that's, that's a big region. That has a big effect, what's happened. Um, why is this going on? What's happening here? Well, it's Matthew that puts all this uh, into context by um, quoting um, from Isaiah. So Matthew quotes from Isaiah, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. Those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death Upon them a light has dawned. You don't really have to, you know, think much about demonology to realise that if a thousand demons have been cast out of a particular location, uh, you know, there's much spiritual light uh, now coming. The land is being cleansed now. Um, if the pigs are gone, the land is, is going to be cleansed. You know, the economy is being cleansed. There is big impact. This is the light 
going really for the darkest place. So again, we come back and we think about Jesus saying to his disciples before the storm, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. Jesus is making a deliberate uh, ploy here. There's a deliberate intent of his to go to the darkest part of the region. And I don't know whether, you know, there are words of knowledge taking place, whether he knew that that's what he would encounter on the other side, but he is the light, and he was heading for the darkness to shine in the darkest place. And that has a big, a wide impact, far, far wider than just that one area and that one individual. And really, if we step back a bit, you know, um, we think about Mark chapter 4, you've got Jesus um, bringing parables, teaching in parables, and we've got the key parable there, the parable of the sower, the key parable that helps you unlock all the others. Um, then you've got this storm going on, and, um, you know, in some ways, you know, this storm, in some ways this story that we're just, we're just looking at now, and indeed, you know, the two great miracles that, I'll keep looking at John because John's preached on them next week, these two great miracles that, that, that are just about to, to come up in the rest of chapter 5, you know, in some ways, they are parables in themselves. You know, they're real happenings, they're real occurrences, but they're, they're such stories um, that, that just shine out um, the Lord Jesus in, in themselves, um, each one of them. And you put them together in a sequence here as Mark has done. And you've got yourself a tremendous uh, thing going on here. Mark, remember, is the first one to, you know, write these things down. Mark's gospel is the first gospel out. He's the first one to have gathered these stories from, you know, sometimes he's gathered them from first-hand witnesses. Um, you know, he's talking a lot to Peter, we can see. Um, and he's writing these things down. And then this uh, book of his, this gospel of his, is getting out into circulation. Um, and people are reading this stuff for the first time. So, you know, thank you for Mark. When you see him in heaven, shake his hand and say thank you for his book. Well done for doing that. So we see here Jesus as Lord of all creation. He commands even the wind and the waves, and they obey him. Here in this passage, we see him Lord over all darkness. He commands even the legion of demons, and they obey him. You can hear the disciples saying it, can't you? Um, and then in the next passage, you know, he commands uh, even sickness, disease, and death itself, and they obey him. So I just want to kind of put before you, you know, Jesus as Lord. Jesus as Lord of all these realms. Jesus as Lord of all. Um, Acts 10.38, Peter, talking to Cornelius says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. This is, this is our Jesus. This is our Savior. This is our Lord. I want to uh, commend him to you. And um, I want to just say, if we get the worship team back up, let's, um, let's worship our Lord. He's the one who is um, setting people free Whatever those circumstances are, whatever the situation, you know, he is Lord. I, I love the way in that storm he just stands and in a moment, by the speaking of his word, he's in control, isn't he? Suddenly, he is in control. Um, and likewise here, you know, Jesus is immediately in command 
of the circumstance and the situation where others have had to flee the territory and been and fear really fear has dominated Jesus steps in and immediately in the speaking of his word um, and this guy is so beautifully set free um, and then equipped really um, and sent on his way as an evangelist um, and um, you know impacts the whole region good you guys set absent from one hello <laughs> good so let's uh, let's stand um, and uh, you know let's worship together and let me just say you know in terms of freedom really I think we're you know we're hearing this earlier you know in terms of the prophetic input as well look this is the guy who sets free it's Jesus is in his name in it that people are set free he is our Lord he is our savior he's our elder brother you know and all of that freedom and all of that power and authority you know that he has um is so freely available you know to you this morning so don't be bound in any way or by anything or by any circumstance um but let's bring all of these things to the lord and never mind legion breaking the fetters you know it's our lord isn't it who breaks them off of us he broke even, you know, even the chain of death. Um, and in rising from the dead, he's able to break everything, really, and set us free, you know, to the uppermost. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where his spirit is, there is liberty. Let's be free in our lives and walk and enjoy that liberty. And be like the Lord Jesus and just go about our daily business, you know, uh, free in all that were oppressed of the devil because God is with us.